Hey yo! Yes. Good morning, guys. Happy Sunday. Good to be with you. Uh, how you feeling? Good. We're feeling good. Uh, remember uh, Friday? It was like feels like maybe like. 8,000 hours ago, uh, and we got in here and we were super tired and we reminded each other that we weren't tired. We're going to do that again this morning because I imagine some of you didn't get as much sleep as you maybe needed to. Look to your neighbor and just say, you're not tired. I see people waking up their neighbor already. You're not tired. Look on the other side. You're not tired. We're speaking it into existence. Growth mindset. <laughs> Hey, on my way up here uh, this morning, as I was walking up from the coffee shop uh, with my Americano, uh, I uh, ran into one of you guys, um, Ryan, wherever Ryan's at, and I asked Ryan uh, what his favorite part of this weekend was. And I love asking that question, especially on Sunday. And I mean, there's lots of good answers, but I loved what Ryan said. He's like, man, I, I just can never get over when people give their life to Jesus. And it was like, this cool moment of like, this is, this is what this camp is all about, of glorifying God for people to have the opportunity to be presented with the gospel. And I know I said it on Friday, but there's, there's nothing special about this place. Like God isn't extra here. Like you don't have to come and find him here. But there is something about when we stop and get away and even like you guys have to listen to me for a pretty long time and you stop talking and we talk a lot or we put things in our ears and we listen to other things. And there's something about when we actually consider things about this life that man are, are bigger than ourselves that all of a sudden when things go quiet, we actually start to hear God. And it's so cool that we get to do that. And I hope that this weekend it has been one that has been beneficial for you. Maybe even that you've just inched towards God as you have asked questions, or maybe for you it actually was placing your faith in Jesus last night, or maybe even returning to Jesus. I mean, I know I said it, but that's the Christian life of constantly returning. You're gonna be returning to him over and over again. And it's so cool that we get to do that together. But there's something unique right? Like we, we all continue with our lives. Like that happened last night, but you're here right now. God didn't just like zap you up into heaven once you put your faith in him. He's with us as we continue to go throughout our lives. And that's what this message this morning is going to be about. What's it mean now? If you've been transformed by Jesus, what's it mean to continually be transformed? Ah, let's look at the word. We're going to be in Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. And you know what we're doing. Stand up. Uh, Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. I'm going to be reading it for you. All right, it says this. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may, be, it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You guys join me in praying. Father, we, we take a, another moment this Sunday morning and we, we thank you. Thank you for being God. <laughs> thank you for being good. Thank you for, for caring about your creation even more than we care about ourselves, God. You care about us. And Lord, it is our desire this morning to look to you and to see what it looks like to live rightly with you. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is near, who is working, who is not done yet, but desires for us to continue to have our eyes on you. And Lord, even this morning, we long for eternity where we get to be face-to-face with you with no more sin and to get to, to worship you for the rest of time. We love you, Father. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. You may be seated. How strong are you? (laughs) I heard very strong and not very strong. Uh, How strong do you think you would be? I mean, this is kind of a weird question, but how strong would you think you would be if your life depended on it? You're like strong enough. Hopefully, that's when you would find out if like, if your life depended on it. Well, there's a story of this guy uh, a few years back who went hang gliding and he found out just how strong he was. You guys wanna watch a video? Let's see it. The guy in the plaid shirt and white helmet realized a second after takeoff from a 4,000 foot mountaintop that he was not attached to the hang glider. The pilot apparently forgot to hook him up. The tourist from Florida hangs onto the bar with one hand and the pilot with his other hand. The pilot does his best to steer with one arm while grasping onto his passenger with the other. Guy was just trying to stay calm, just trying to hold on for dear life. The danger was real. Imagine falling from this height. I looked down once and I thought to myself, this is it, I'm gonna fall to my death. I'm, I'm, go- I'm a goner. Both men are struggling. The tourist, Chris Gursky, goes from clinging to the pilot around his shoulders to barely hanging on to his leg. I didn't have much grip left to me at all. My hand was opening, I was slipping. I had his pant leg, that was about it. After two minutes and 14 seconds, they got close enough to earth that Gursky let go. He hit the ground hard and broke his wrist. He also tore his bicep from holding on with such a tight grip for all that time. An eternity when you think you're going to plummet to your death. The auto parts manager is now back home near Tampa, but he will never forget that terrifying ride. else's palms are sweaty right now. You're just like, ah, it's so scary. I mean, imagine hanging from a hang glider and realizing I am not attached to this. Like you're going to give it all you got, right? You're going to hold on as tightly as possible. I I, I love the part where he says, and he broke his wrist, (laughs) like uh, tore his bicep, broke his wrist. That is nothing compared to becoming like a, a pile of of bones and skin and anyways, I don't know what I was gonna say. But to hit the ground and to splat, uh, that guy held on for his life, right? As tightly as he possibly could. Last night we talked about how Jesus is the one who gives us life. And my encouragement to you this morning is why wouldn't we grasp onto him as tightly as possible? Why wouldn't we leave this place 
knowing that to him, he is the one who gives us life. He is the one where life is found. Why would we not grasp onto him as tightly as we possibly could? So we're going to hear that. But at the same time, I want to remind you, I want to tell you that God's grip on you is far tighter than you will ever have on him. You are secure in him. And so you have these two realities where we're called to grasp onto him, give it all we've got, but to also acknowledge that he is going to continue to hold on to us, which actually gives us the freedom to trust. God, I'm going to give it all I've got because even when my arms give out, you've got me. My encouragement to you this morning is going to be, man, let's go out of this place and give it all we got. Let's hold on to him and know that he's got us covered. And the main reason why I want to encourage you with this is because you're not doing it alone. You're not doing it alone. If your faith is put in, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, I mean, of course, you've got your church body around you. That's a whole nother message. But you have the Holy Spirit. God goes with you. When you accept Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, fully God, with you at all times. In uh, the, the upper room discourse, which is like around John 13 to 17, it's Jesus' like last day before he's arrested. And he's talking with his disciples and he's telling them, really like downloading all of the last information he needs to give to them before he goes to the cross and he resurrects. He dies, resurrects. And this is the last moment. He's given them everything they need to know. And it's in John 16 that you see that Jesus says this to them. But now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, Jesus is saying to the disciples, it is to your advantage, it is better for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is telling his disciples, and he actually says it a few times, that it is better for him not to be around I mean, how many of us think that if Jesus were to walk in the room and to stick around, maybe to hang out at your church, that it would be so much better for your faith if it was just physically here? I mean, I've, I've thought about it. If I could just physically have a conversation with Jesus. But Jesus says it's actually better for him not to be, for him to send the helper, to send the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus was in one place at one time, but his Holy Spirit is with all who've placed his faith, their faith in him. So God is with all of his people at all time. You see, Jesus did incredible things, but Jesus talks about how the Holy Spirit would do greater things, which is insane to even think. God is personally with every single person who's placed their faith in Jesus, which means if you have, you will never be alone. You'll never be alone. That God is actually with you. Do you guys know what the greatest, like the most common command in scripture is? Don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid. And every time, almost every time, it's followed by, because God is with you. When you have God with you, there is actually like fear, is, is anything you fear is going to be smaller than who is already with you. The God of the universe, with unlimited power, completely sovereign and good, is with you. Imagine if you like, were 100% confident in that. Would you live differently? If you were 100% confident that the God of the universe is with you, because that's what's true. And we get to live like that's true. 
It's helpful for us to see that he's not just with us, but he actually guides us. He helps us, as Jesus calls him the helper. And Jesus gives a few things in John 16 of what the Holy Spirit does. In John 16, 8, he says, and when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit brings conviction to us. If you, are, if you have the Holy Spirit and you are walking towards sin, the Holy Spirit actually makes you uncomfortable with it. Like God brings uncomfortability in your heart, in your soul with the sin that you have because that's just your old self. Like you have a new self. Why would you go back to the old self? So the Holy Spirit brings conviction. In John 16, 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you all things that are to come. The Holy Spirit guides us towards what is true guides us towards what is said in scripture, that we actually have a helper that points out what is true and calls out falsehood. And then in John 16, 14 through 15, he says, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take that as mine and declare it to you. This is, this is huge. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for us to glorify God, which means to like give God credit. And so the Holy Spirit is constantly nudging you and saying, that's God who deserves the glory. God deserves the credit for all of those things that are going on. The Holy Spirit is at work in and through us, which is so cool that God gets to, like, to invite us into the ministry that he's doing as we're growing in relationship with him. The picture that comes to mind that's super helpful, this isn't an exhaustive list of what the Holy Spirit does, but the picture that comes to mind is a smoke detector. You guys know a smoke detector? Uh, What's a smoke detector do? It detects smoke, that's right. And so uh, a smoke detector, what it's designed to do is when there is smoke, there is fire, or going to be fire. Uh, And it like sounds an alarm. And really, the Holy Spirit sounds the alarm in our souls when things are off. And what I think is also really helpful about this illustration is there's many of you who have placed your faith in Jesus, and maybe at times you actually haven't had that alarm sound off, or maybe you just, you've kind of ignored it, and it's almost like the batteries have died. And what sound does it make when the battery dies? Beep! Every like five minutes, this annoying, pestering sound. And every once in a while... You'll hear that sound and you choose to ignore it. I mean, how many families just choose to live with that sound for like for the next 10 years? You know, it just goes off because it's inaccessible. You don't have AA or AAA batteries or what's it take? Uh, a D battery or something. Uh, and so you just live with the pestering sound and once it comes up, you like, it kind of alerts you, but then you let it pass by again. Man, the Holy Spirit is guiding us towards what is best, reminding us of truth. Don't ignore it. Don't live like you don't have God with you. Don't do it. How foolish is that? To have access to the living God, but to try to go and do life on our own. We'd be missing what Jesus had for us. The Holy Spirit points out the things in our life that are messing with our life, that are messing things up. And he also produces good in us. In Galatians 5, you get this passage that talks about the Holy Spirit and what it produces in Christians. And it says in Galatians 5, 16, but I say to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When we are walking in step with the Spirit, when we're actually listening to what God is saying and what he's doing, we're able to put away sin. 
which is wild because you weren't able to do that before Jesus came into your life. And this is what it says in Galatians 5, 22 through 24. But the fruit of the spirit, the things that are produced in you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Like a plant producing fruit, a good tree producing fruit, we get to produce these things, that God produces these things in us. And it might feel like, as we, we turn the corner on the message, it might feel like maybe my encouragement is actually, all right, guys, go out there and go and produce fruit in your life. Go out there and go and do this list. Go be gentle. Go be patient. Go be joyful. But producing fruit is not the goal. It is not the goal. Jesus is the goal. When you run towards Jesus, when you cling to him, he produces these things in you. It's not your job to try to just like, exert fruit out of your life. But if you run to Jesus and you are actually abiding, it's this, this picture of being connected to Jesus that he gives in John 15. When you're abiding in him, when you are with him, when you are spending time actually communing with the living God, he produces these things in us. He's the one who does it. Every inch of growth, every moment where you have stepped into faith, where you begin to say no to sin and you begin to look more and more like Jesus is reason to praise him because it's his work in your life, not what you have done. It's all what he has done. He deserves all of the credit, 100% of it. He deserves it. And now I know there's, there's some of you who are probably wondering like, okay, so last night we talked about how we place our faith, faith in Jesus and it makes us righteous before God. It makes us like perfect before him. And yet maybe today you're like still feeling the temptation to sin. You're still feeling the temptation to turn to other things. You're still feeling the pull by your old self to return back to it. Scripture talks about that over and over again of what that is like. You see, uh, if you guys want to put on your little theologian caps with me, boop, actually, please do that. Yes, put your hands up, put your theologian cap on, boop. Thank you. Okay, theologian caps, they should always be on. Uh, you've got these two words. You've got justification and sanctification. Justification is when we place our faith in Jesus. When you, when you begin to believe in Jesus, immediately you are justified by God. Immediately. Like when you place your faith in Jesus, you are no longer seen as a sinner or an enemy of God. You are seen as a son or daughter. Just by placing your faith in Jesus because of what Jesus has done, he hands that to you. And so when you are face to face with God, on the other, when we begin the other side of this life, the other side of eternity, God sees Jesus' righteousness in us, just as if you've never sinned. But as we continue to live in this life, we still struggle with our sin. We are being sanctified. We are being made more and more like Jesus. We're actually beginning in, in this life, we're like stepping towards the reality of acknowledging that we have been justified and living in light of it. That the Holy Spirit is making us more and more like him. Really the definition of sanctification is the process of growing in holiness. The process, the slow gradual movement towards something new, of changing, powerful growth. And then holiness, becoming more unlike this world 
and more like Jesus. I feel like the picture that's helpful to understand these two words, justification and sanctification, is like the two kinds of light switches you've got, right? You've got a normal light switch that, boop, flips on the light, and it doesn't turn off. You've been justified. But also, you've got dimmers, right? As the light, it's like starting off on off, and then when you barely inch it, it makes that little click. When we begin a relationship with Jesus, like we start off super dim, but over time, as we abide in Christ, we grow brighter and brighter. Sin becomes less and less appealing. And, all, and we just watch the Lord grow in us as we remain in him. How many of you guys have a, a bathroom uh, that has lights like this one? Like it's the one with a bunch of bulbs that go like that. Who has that real fast? I grew up with these. Uh, when do you replace the lights? <laughs> yeah, never. Well, I, I brush my teeth in the dark. Uh, typically, like, when there's, like, one more left, right? You, like, you get so used to, like, all the bulbs going out, and you're like, there's still another one. I can go to the corner of the room, and I can see in the mirror over there. You wait till it's the last one. But what always happens when you replace all the lights, because typically you're not just going to replace one. You're going to go, oh, I might as well replace all of them, right? When you replace all the lights, the first thing that always happens is you realize how dirty the room was that you were in. Like you, you, you put the light bulbs in and you look down and you're like, oh, there's dirt everywhere that you didn't see before because it wasn't bright enough in the room, right? And, all, and you're disgusted. How have I been living in this? I think this is the picture of sanctification, that as the light grows brighter, you become more and more disgusted by the sin, the things in our hearts that are just gross. And there's this picture like of how the cross grows bigger in our walks with Jesus, this cross chart that we can put up there. As we pursue Jesus and grow in relationship with him, our understanding of holiness becomes greater and greater and our understanding of just how bad sin is also becomes greater and greater. And you know what becomes bigger? Jesus' sacrifice for us. We begin to realize it was a bigger deal that Jesus came down than I realized. It was a bigger deal that Jesus took on my sin than I thought when I first put my faith in him. Sin becomes worse and worse in our minds because it's, it's, it's worse than you think. But God becomes greater and greater because he's greater than you think. This is the process of being sanctified in Jesus, which I wanna, I wanna say this for those of you who would say that you've placed your faith in Jesus. Have you seen any growth? When you look back on your life, has there been any growth that you can see or maybe even that others can see in your walk with Christ? Or do you feel like you're still at that starting point? The process of sanctification happens in the Christian life. It's a natural byproduct of pursuing after Jesus. And so if that's not happening, what gives there? It's worth considering. It's worth bringing up with your community. It's worth bringing up with God. If, if growth is not happening, what is missing there? So we got justification, we got sanctification, we got the Holy Spirit working inside of us. And it brings us to our main text that we're at of like all of this list of things to go and do. Remember, Ephesians 1 through 3, this is what you're about. This is who you are. And then Ephesians 4 through 6, now go and do likewise. I wanted to make sure that we understand that the goal isn't to go and do this list of things 
apart from Christ, apart from the Holy Spirit. These are things that he gets to work inside of us. And so we're going to walk through this little chunk of examples of the way that the Holy Spirit directs us, beeps at us to get back on track towards God and the freedom that we get to have with him. So looking at Ephesians uh, 4.25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. With the Holy Spirit, we experience freedom from lying. <laughs> we, we can experience freedom from lying, and lies are everywhere. Every commercial that you see promises your like, best life now, right? Social media is filled with lies. You guys are inundated with lies all the time. And man, like we love gossiping. And when we gossip, man, we like it telling a little bit bigger of a story than maybe it was and talking about people. But with Christ, as we pursue him, we don't need to lie. Why, why do we lie? Why does someone lie? To pretend that, that things are different than they are, right? Like we lie because we want to sound or look better than we, we actually are. Like we, we know better. And you know what? You don't have to rely on how you look or sound anymore with your new self. You get to rely upon Jesus who has actually declared you as so much greater than anything that you can do. There is no need. We get to care about what God thinks of us instead. And then verses 26 through 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. We get to experience freedom from anger. You see, there's a way to be angry rightly, but most of the time when you're angry, it's not right. <laughs> because anger that is self-seeking is sinful. If your anger is for your own self, if it's just for your own gain, then it's wrong. If it is self-seeking, it is sinful. What, what is anger? Anger is the expression that we make when we say, I don't like that. That's really all it is. It's as simple as that. When you are angry, it's because you don't like something. And often we are angry for all the wrong reasons. We can be angry so quickly. And some of you think you don't deal with anger. You should probably talk with your parents or with the people in your life, and they might tell you something otherwise. Because angry people are usually the last people to know that they're angry people. We're pretty blind to it. You don't have to be angry anymore. You can actually receive joy. Look at verse 28. It says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Freedom from stealing. Hey, stop taking what's not yours. <laughs> and that goes beyond like objects and property. Stop taking what's not yours. I love the picture that Paul gives here specifically where he says, stop taking and start blessing. That's what Jesus does. He redeems us. He changes our stories so that, man, you were stealing. What would it look like for you to use your hands to bless others, to give, those, to, give to those who are in need? We can experience that. Verse 29, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that we may give grace to those who hear. Freedom from rotting talk. That's like what it's talking about uh, in corrupting talk. The, the word is actually rotting, like something that's decaying. Do you know your words matter? Yes, 
You do, because if I ask what's the worst thing that someone's ever said about you, it comes to mind, boop, super fast. We remember that, those things. I remember those things. Your words matter. And so actually consider, what, what if we actually spoke highly of people behind their backs? What if we actually were kind to people when they don't deserve it? What if we actually used our, our words to help build, to help encourage, to help get people through this life in the right direction instead of constantly tearing down. That you, with the Holy Spirit, with God's help, we are actually able to step into that. Uh, most recently for me, I, I've committed to not letting funerals be the nicest place or the place where I speak the nicest things of people. I just don't want to do that anymore. Because funerals, everybody like speaks so highly of people. I want to speak highly of people to their face and behind their backs more so when they're alive than when they're dead. What would it look like to speak highly of people? And then this last one kind of sums up everything else in verses 30 through 32. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And here's the catch. As God in Christ forgave you. Offer Jesus to others like Jesus has offered himself to you. That's what it's summarizing. Like the way that Christ, that, that, that God has looked at you Man, seek to offer that to others. Because were you deserving of God's grace? Absolutely not. Not a single person was. And yet you've been offered it. So why wouldn't you offer that to others? So much has changed. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, you live differently in this world. God has invited you into the right way and it's made possible by the Holy Spirit. Is it hard? Absolutely but you're not alone. You're not alone. You have your church, you have the, a Christian community that goes alongside you and will be with you the other 51 and a half weeks out of this year. And you have the Holy Spirit who is guiding you, who never leaves you, never forsakes you, no matter what comes our way. And we get to live like new creations. Like 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we are new creations in Christ. But the passage doesn't stop there. It goes on in verse 20 to say this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This isn't just about you and God. God now uses you as a new creation to be an ambassador, representative of him to others. So as you grow in sanctification and as you acknowledge Christ's work in your life, we get to bring as many people to the feet of Jesus as possible. It's not just the job of your pastors or leaders to do that. Don't wait until you're like grown up to start living like this is a big deal. That's a big deal now. So my final encouragement to you is hang on tightly to Jesus. Cling to him. And I promise you, it's the best way that you can live your life Know God's words, speak to God. You actually can pray. Why wouldn't you pray? And spend time in God's community, even when it gets hard. And you will see yourself grow. Slowly but surely, as you look back, you'll continue to see it. 
and there'll be more reason for you to glorify God and for others to come along. Can I pray for you? Father, we, we take this moment and once again put our attention, our eyes, our hearts, our souls on you. And God, I, I, I pray a blessing over this room. Lord, as they are all going back home. Lord, I pray that you would give them such a sure confidence in the fact that you are with them. And that for those who placed their faith in you before this weekend, that you were with them before that. And Lord, I pray that you would give them that a confidence that also comes with joy and excitement for an opportunity to go into this world that is dark and desperately needs you. And Lord, would you use the churches in this room to encourage, to, to bring up, to give grace, to give mercy to the students, leaders, pastors in this room as we each try to follow after you and put to death sin that takes hold of our minds and hearts so quickly. God, we thank you for the grace you have offered us and that you continue to offer us every single day when we don't deserve it. And Lord, we ask that you would help us. Give us a vision for what it means for, for New England, for this place to be transformed by the gospel and get us on board with it, Lord. Would you do a work that only you could do? We love you, Father. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.